0: Folk, I'm sorry that last week I didn't have enough copies of the notes, but there are some extra copies on the table at the back together with the notes of today's study. Now last week we began with uh, Exodus and we looked at the tabernacle built by Moses and temples built by Solomon and also by Zerubbabel. Now the prophet Ezekiel's vision of a new temple and a new city gave hope that God did indeed have better things for his people, greater in fact than anything in the past. The next temple we looked at was built by Herod the Great but it was intended purely to serve human interests and it really didn't play any worthy part in God's purposes. Now today we continue the story as we move into the New Testament. The coming of Jesus to Bethlehem brought a new beginning. God intervened not to bring a new plan but to give a great leap forward to his ongoing plan. He became present among his people in a new way. Matthew says this about the birth of Jesus. They will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. John expressed it this way. He made his dwelling among us. So Jesus was a living tabernacle or dwelling place for God among his people. John tells us that Jesus went up to Jerusalem at the time of the Passover that occasion when people remembered how God had delivered his people from Egypt, as told in Exodus. Now in the temple courts, Jesus found men selling cattle, sheep and doves. Get these out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? When asked to show what authority he had to do such a thing, Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body, not that other temple. He said in effect that God was with him and this would be shown to be true when on a day to come he would be raised from the dead. Jesus knew that he was the one in whom God was present among the people. He was indeed a living and holy temple. Now Matthew tells us in his first chapter that Jesus descended from Abraham through the kingly line of David and Zerubbabel. Then in his ministry, Jesus spoke God's message as a faithful servant. In our earlier studies from Hebrews, we saw that Jesus is the great high priest who appears for us in God's presence. So there was a pattern in the Old Testament where these offices were fulfilled in different people. But now we find that the three roles are combined in Jesus our Lord. God's new covenant is clearly expressed in the substitutionary death of Jesus as we have been remembering. As the Lamb of God, he would die the perfect sacrifice for all people for all time so that God could accept them. Deliverance from Egypt was the great salvation act of God in the Old Testament. The death of Jesus was the great salvation act of God in the New Testament. So we grasp more clearly what Jesus said to his disciples in that upper room on the night when he was betrayed. This is my body given for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. Here was a new covenant in new blood for all people for all time. But there was more. Jesus was God's living temple while he was present here on earth but what would happen when he died? Jesus prepared his disciples for that time when he would leave them. He said to them, The Father will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. And the Holy Spirit did come at Pentecost in the Old Testament the temple was where God was present with his people when Jesus came his body was the temple where God was present among his people but after Pentecost the Holy Spirit came to dwell in all who believe and so God was present now in his people The Apostle Paul had reason to remind the Christians at Corinth about this fact when they actually wandered from God's ways. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Christian believers are set apart for God. They are his temple. We need to be careful about this. It's a reminder to us too. We must be careful about drugs and diet and what habits we form. Selfish affluence is always a problem and we should show respect for one another. And Paul goes on to use strong words to warn his readers that God's temple is sacred and it must not be mistreated for there are terrible consequences. Going on to chapter 6 in 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote about human sexuality. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Therefore, honour God in your body. God made us male and female, and marriage is his order for the enjoyment of life together as families. Children are an expression of God's creative power. And that's not to be toyed with by governments, venturesome researchers or self-centred parents. Yes, Paul was writing to a church that had gone astray and such failures still create havoc in our time. We recall Paul's previous warning. If anyone destroys God's temple... God will destroy him. You are God's temple. In one of his daily reading guides, Billy Graham begins with a question. He asks, which wing of an aircraft is the most important? Actually, the question is silly because both of them are essential. So it is with God's plan. Belief and behaviour must go together. What we believe must be expressed in how we behave. Taking note of Paul's instruction to the Corinthians, we find it's a help when we have to respond to challenging issues that confront us in our time. Well now so far we have thought of individual Christian believers as being the temple of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit within them. But the Bible extends the concept of the, to the gathering together of believers as local congregations. When Paul wrote to the Christians at Ephesus, he said, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So these believers are portrayed as corporately forming a sacred building, the living temple of the Lord in Ephesus. Now it's interesting to note that several of the New Testament epistles are written to correct problems in churches. The Old Testament pattern we mentioned last week where some prophets were genuine, others were false. Some people were obedient, others were disobedient. That pattern still continues in the New Testament and there were churches that believed the Bible and there were others that were unbelieving churches. There's a challenge for us here too. What kind of church will we be? We must pray for God's guidance for working group members and for faithful teaching of the Bible that we might keep on track, trusting and obeying God. Hebrews 3 recalls that Moses was a faithful servant in God's house the tabernacle but Christ is a faithful son over God's house his redeemed people the writer says to his Christian readers we are his house if indeed we hold firmly and he talks about confidence and hope we are his house if There are conditions which apply. The writer of Hebrews goes on to warn about unbelief and disobedience and hardening of hearts, things that happened to the people during the wilderness, wanderings back in Exodus. We will only know God present among us if we trust and obey him. In the New Testament, the New Covenant is about Jesus the Messiah who has come. The confidence and hope which we can glory in grows from appreciation of what he has said and done. Now earlier in this study we referred to Jesus preparing the disciples for the time when he would no longer be physically present with them. We noted in John 14 that he promised to send the Holy Spirit to be in them. But in the same chapter, he gave another promise. I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, do you think the disciples really believed what Jesus was saying? Did they have confidence that he would actually do that well we may wonder but there's something more important do I believe that Jesus will actually do such a thing do I have confidence in him and does that give me hope in the challenging times that I might face Jesus died and many thought the story had ended He rose from the dead and many people were puzzled. He ascended to heaven and something interesting happened. Luke tells us that two angels came and said, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. Heaven is where Jesus went. It's where the Father's house is. But notice, these messengers confirmed what Jesus had said, that he would come back again. Now there's an important change in emphasis that's come here. Thinking about the Old Testament, the focus was on providing a suitable place where God could be among his people where they were. It was part of God's plan of redemption to bring people back into a right relationship with him after the disaster of Genesis 3. But now the focus has changed. Jesus has spoken about a place where God's people could be present with him where he is. God's plan of redemption moves towards an exciting conclusion. Much of the Old Testament gives us examples of how we should not live. We are meant to learn from that past, to learn to trust and obey the God who created us and who has redeemed us. He has told us his story in the Bible. He has brought it to reality in Jesus. He died that we might have God's gift of eternal life. He sent the Holy Spirit to live in us so that all that Jesus has gained for us can become true in our own lives. He has promised a magnificent future for all who do trust and obey him to be shared with him where he is. Now going back to the Old Testament just for a moment, Ezekiel was given a vision in which he saw a grand new temple and a grand new city. Although the city was never built, the vision did give encouragement and hope to God's people at that time. The people who were exiled in Babylon... Yes, God had better things to come. And their confidence was strengthened and their hope was renewed. Now in the New Testament, the Apostle John was given a vision, a vision he recorded in his revelation to generate confidence and strengthen hope for believing people who were under the hammer at that time. Now sadly some of what John has written has been misused resulting in some confusion and perhaps even argument. Today we look only at its grand ending. John saw a grand city. It was the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. And he heard a loud voice saying, Look! God's dwelling is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Later in the same chapter, John wrote, I did not see a temple in that city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple tabernacle was important tabernacles and temples played their part but it was not the end of the story no elaborate building was needed any longer for the ultimate reality of God's plan of redemption had come it was the grand final Day. All that God had planned from before creation had now come to fulfilment for the eternal joy of His redeemed people and for the everlasting praise of His holy name. What a hope! But we're not there yet. There's just one more event to complete the greatest story ever told the story of God's plan of redemption John closes the record of his remarkable vision with these words he who testifies to these things says yes I am coming soon Amen Amen Come, Lord Jesus. But the vital issue for me, the vital issue for you, is that I'm ready for that grand final day. Friends, would you bow in prayer? Father, we we are so thankful that you have given us the Bible. We are so thankful that you have revealed in that book your plan of redemption. The tabernacle had a part. Temples had a part. During that period when You were longing to be present with us where we are. But that was not the goal of your plan. You gave us the Spirit to live in us. He instructs us in your truth. He works to make us more like Jesus. And that we might remember that our bodies are the temple of the living God. And we should be careful how we live. But we thank you that there's a grand conclusion. And the story ends when we are with you, where you are forever, So Lord please help us to think to think rightly to understand clearly and to respond appropriately to all that you have done for us Have we accepted that Jesus died for us that he might bring us to God Help us to bow in humble confession before you and accept the gift of eternal life that you offer through the one who died for us. Are there things in our lives that that are inappropriate for a temple of God? Herod's temple was a failure people wanted to use it to achieve their ends and that will never do so give us courage give us strength to get rid of what is inappropriate in our lives And help us to become progressively more like Jesus, who has gone to prepare the place for us and who will return to take us to be with him where he is. No, we don't understand all of the details, but we accept its truth. And in a confused world, a disturbed world, an uncertain world, a rebellious world, help us to stand true to what we believe. And tomorrow and in the week to come, Help us to express in our behaviour those beliefs in such a way that other troubled ones begin to see what a relationship with you is like. Please help us individually to that end. Please help us as a congregation to hold true to your word true to our calling and to be a light that shares life with the community around us and help us to be ready for that great and wonderful day when we shall see him as he is. To you be all honour, praise and glory for ever and ever. Amen.